do who fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast this is gary and this is adam and we're at episode 201 have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension nobody in the universe can do what we're doing i've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the tardis should be free of the force field now there's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes the trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time change my dear and it seems on a moment too soon unlimited rice pudding etc etc i am the doctor great men are forged in fire it is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame i'm the doctor this is rose tyler she's my plus one is that all right that would be me hello surprise boom etc i'm the doctor do everything i tell you don't ask stupid questions and don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy, howdy, do who fans? Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who related. related. Okay, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what have you been up to, bud? You've been up to anything Doctor Who-ish in the past week? I have been diving back into Big Finish this week. <laughs> I feel like, in. yeah, because I feel like I've had an unintentional break from it, if mm. you know what I mean. Like, um, suddenly a few months have gone past, I haven't listened to anything. I thought, right, I've been buying all this stuff. It's just sat there waiting to be listened to. So, yeah, dug out the iron in the other day. And uh, you'll <laughs> never believe what I actually listen to. You never believe it. You won't believe it. Listen to this. Listen to you this. won't believe it. <laughs> The I listened to the first story in the new class box set. Huh? Yeah, I know. I, I, I thought think, okay. Yeah, I thought I'd give it a go. I thought I'd get, I'll see if Big Finish have worked their magic because, uh, as I'm sure, like regular listeners will know, I, I really didn't dig the TV show at all. But no, I thought I'd give the audios a go. I was drawn in by Sophie Aldred, although she's not in the first set. <laughs> but um, no, actually, that, I, I'll be honest with you, I I quite enjoyed it. I was I, I was thinking this is going to go one or two ways. I'm either going to put this on and it's going to be switched off after 10 minutes or I'm going to get into it. And um, I wouldn't say it was brilliant. It was still quite cheesy. They've kept the cheesiness from the TV show. But but it, as a story, I found it quite uh, quite a good little listen. So that's only the first one in the set. I don't know what the rest of it's like. But um, yes, I, I surprised myself. Uh, not enough to make me want to go back and watch the tv series but um yeah it was it was decent uh, and that led me on to after i finished listening to that i still had half a pile of washington left so <laughs> i moved on to a bit of first doctor so the david bradley um volume two of the first doctor adventures i'm gonna listen to the first story in that and that's very good that was very good oh, okay have you got any of those no i have not i heard they're uh, good, they yeah they are good yeah yeah i was gonna say i mean again the first uh, the first set was good and the second set came out a couple of months ago and I've only just got around to starting it. Um, I, I just absolutely love Bradley as as the Doctor. Um, I think if you'd have said to me before he was cast about, you know, replacing William Hartnell, I'd have been like, no, no, there's only one William Um And he's not replacing him, but he does. he's just really charming as the Doctor, if you know what I mean. He works really well on audio, really well. Um so yeah, I enjoyed that a lot. It's, it's weird because they've got the cast from Adventure in Space and Time mm-hmm. playing the parts as well, and um, they're very good. But they don't—I don't know—they don't really sound like like the the guy, the chap who's playing Ian, doesn't sort of sound anything like him. And I think on you know in the TV 
sort of episode he got away with it because he sort of slightly looked like him and you could sort of didn't really matter that he didn't really sound like him but on audio because it's all about the voice um like particularly the, the you know the woman who's playing susan she kind of does this sort of slightly kiddie voice mm-hmm. and it's okay. it's slightly irritated me after a while because i was thinking susan didn't talk like that you know that that sort of kiddie Oh, hello, Doctor. She sort of keeps doing this sort of thing. And I think, oh, I don't know. But it was good, though. I did enjoy it. I mean, Bradley's just fantastic. And um, I was worried they were going down the whole first Doctor sexist thing at one point, though, because there's just one little bit in the story where him and Ian are like, you girls stay here in the TARDIS. You know, you, you're women, you stay here. And I thought, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do a Moffat. But thankfully, um, it was just that one little bit. So oh, cool. so that's been it, really, mate. I, no, no, um, I don't know why. I've been dying to watch invasion of the dinosaurs all week i don't know somebody must have been talking to me about it because i've absolutely no idea where this has come from but i was sat there the other day and i thought i wonder if i can just sneakily get a bit dot two on the telly while we have a half in the kitchen cooking uh, and i was thinking i don't think i've got time but i really fancied watching invasion of dinosaurs but thus far this week has just been too busy i haven't managed to do it but i just got this you know like sometimes you get it with the fifth doctor or the seventh you just sort of feel like you would need a bit of fifth doctor on the tv i just felt like i needed a bit of pertwee but uh just haven't had time yet maybe <laughs> later in the week although by the time this yeah. podcast goes out it will be later in the week but <laughs> we're recording this on wednesday so so i haven't been able to watch anything but i have been listening to a bit of big finish and it's been good to get back into it actually it's uh cool cool it, it's it, it just reminds me how good their stuff is actually i kept imagining the Hartnell one what it'd be like on tv if you know what i mean oh, okay because yeah. they, they've sort of done it in that style of keeping the sort of, you know how the sort of black and white era had a sort of simple, but they always had like a little clever idea to them rather than sort of nowadays where it's sort of a bit of action and then, you know, then a nice scene and then more action. It was a different style of writing and they've sort of managed to do that on Big, Big Finish with the first Doctor Adventures. And I was sort of thinking, I can imagine this story like being made, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. You can sort of imagine it being brought to life mm-hmm. on TV. So... Yeah, so overall, very good. But that's all I've been doing, mate. Nothing much. N- not much in the post. I've got the 13th Doctor doll arrived. That's about the only thing. I saw that. Yep, looks good. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. good, actually. It's weird, isn't it? I wasn't... Um, <laughs> I didn't have myself down as a doll person. I kind of... I love my figures. But I didn't have myself down as a sort of doll person. But she's brilliant, actually. <laughs> no pun intended. She is brilliant. Brilliant. Um, I took her out in the garden and did some you know put her in various poses and took some pictures and it looks really good i'm actually quite impressed with it actually nice yes just uh, ramping up my excitement for series 11 even more indeed yes so that's been me mate what about you what you've been up to yeah i've had um i've had a fairly quiet one as always yeah (laughs) unless we're going (laughs) off to any cons or anything it's um been fairly quiet i did uh like you though i had I, i was along the same lines um thinking i haven't got into any big finish recently so Mm. Uh, I actually saw on Twitter there was um there's a really cool cover artist for Big Finish uh, Simon um I forget his surname Simon something something um and he does it he's a really cool um uh, Simon Holub and okay. uh, I saw like a textless version of the um design he did for the recently re- released um the Dispossessed which is the seventh Doctor. Uh, story there's a trilogy that's um sort of halfway through with big finish so we had red planets i don't know if you saw that one i did yeah yeah with, um uh sophie aldred and um bonnie langford yeah who have teamed up with the doctor so um red planets and then i think it was just the other day they released the dispossessed which is the second one in the trilogy um 
And I can't remember what the next one's going to be called. Anyway, so I picked up Red Planets and The Dispossessed, but I haven't listened to them yet, but I'm looking forward to um, to listening to those. But the artwork that Simon did for those is really, really good. I must admit, really I was so tempted to get them. It's only mm. because the old wallet's looking a bit thin on the ground because <laughs> I looked at that trilogy because they're bringing back a character and I've forgotten his name. Looks like a big toad. And he's, he's yeah. in the third part, isn't he? Yes. Uh, and again, yeah. I love the cover. And I was thinking, you know, I like a bit of McCoy on, on audio. So, yeah, I was really tempted to get these, mates. So you'll have to let me know if they're good because, yeah, I just fancied dipping into a bit of McCoy on Big Finish myself. But I just couldn't afford them at the time. No. You know what I mean? I was thinking, no. oh, and then suddenly the second one's already out. So I'm already two behind and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, I'm, I might pick them up at some point. They They do look good. And I agree with you about the covers. Yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah, so yeah. I'm gonna stick those on later once we've done, once we're done recording. Yeah, um, cool. The third one sounds cool. The Quantum Possibility Engine. Yeah, I just love the cover of that yeah. one. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, so yeah, so I've uh, picked those up. Um, I'll give those a listen. Um, the only other thing really is I had a bit of a lazy Sunday morning, and uh, the channel we have in the UK, um, W, they had a bit of a tenant marathon going on. Oh, yeah, I saw you tweet about that, yeah. Yeah, so it's very cool. They normally only play like two or three episodes, but they had um, they had Tenant running from, I think it was about nine o'clock in the morning through to three, four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. So that was cool. I picked up um, with uh, Halfway Through the Family of Blood. Oh, I love that two-parter. And then Blink and mm. Utopia. And all that. So it was really cool just to have a bit of a lazy one. And There's some good stuff in Series 3, isn't there? Very cool. Yeah. Yes, very cool stories, yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was good. Uh, other than that, buddy, yeah, it's been fairly quiet. I do, have you seen mm. any pictures from the Vorp um, yes. convention? Because I, yeah. I was in turmoil over that. I, and you were as well, weren't you? We we both so wanted to go to Vorp. In, it was a convention in Manchester mm-hmm. uh, at the weekend. And um, I, I sort of kept looking at travel costs, and they were quite expensive. And I was thinking, well, I probably need to stay the night before you know, to make the most of the convention. And also I was looking at hotels and <laughs> they were okay, but you were sort of still looking at sort of a couple of hundred quid before you've even got to the convention. And, you know, and and then our good friend Paul McMahon offered me his ticket because he couldn't go. He's like, oh, if you want my ticket, mate. And I was like, oh, no, just when I decided I couldn't go, he, that, he came out with that. So I was like, oh, no, I'm back to being all indecisive again and so i went back checked out the train times again and oh all weekend i was like shall i go tomorrow i could do it you know it can can be done um but it was just the money mate i mean train fares are ridiculously expensive over here i i was shocked how much it was to get you know to manchester um from where i am so i was like i had to rule it out but i must admit i was it was great seeing everyone's pictures of the event and um it looked really cool it looked like they were sort of sat in a it looked like all the guests were sort of sat in a like a restaurant or bar didn't it yeah, they were like sat yeah. in these really comfy seats like you you know if you go into like um i don't know bodine's or wherever it just looked like a really cool <laughs> relaxed um event so i yeah i'm keeping my eye on next year because i think they're going to do do another one so i might try and get down for that but that did look good. It, it did look good. It looked really good. Mm. Yeah. And I was in much the same situation, mate. It was um, uh, to go, not to go, you know, the age old mm. question. But um, yeah, it did look very, very cool. And um, I, yeah. I was impressed with the guests they got because they were, it's the first time these guys have actually managed to get a convention together. It's their first convention. Um, and we were talking, weren't we, a couple of episodes back, how difficult it must be to get 
you know proper big names you know from doctor who because of the cost of getting them there and um but they did they did really good i think they got like well got colin baker obviously uh you know paul mcgann was there um peter davidson was there katie manning uh i forget the others but it was a good you know they got some really good guests there for a first time event from them so i think they've done well no they did and they yeah. also had um a, some good panels there as well i believe there's some yeah uh one of the uh popular ones that was doing arounds was the you know the time ladies they hosted a cool panel yeah they had yeah. sophie aldred there and um uh joe grant i think Katie Manning, Katie yeah. Manning, yeah. Joe Grant. Katie Manning. Um, I do that all the time. I, I notice it on my videos <laughs> as well. I'll, I'll switch from saying 13th Doctor to Jodie Whittaker in a breath without, you know, like, oh, Jodie's coat looks good. The Doctor's <laughs> Sonic's this. It's like I do it all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, someone else was there. Was like, oh, Crystal D. Um, Crystal, yeah. Yeah, so it looked really good like overall because it's the first one that they've done. It's uh, mm. sometimes with conventions, you know, they even experienced companies that put on conventions can have moments of you know, disorganization and not mm. sort of being run too well. But as the first one, from what I'm hearing, it's, it went really smooth and, and was all good. So I'm sure they'll put another one on because it sounds successful. So we'll, we'll try and get to the next one. We'll keep an eye on that, yeah. Because, of course, the big one we want to do is Gallifrey 1, isn't it? That's the one we've always wanted to get to. Yeah. And one day we shall. <laughs> one, <laughs> one day one we day. shall get there. One day, yeah. We'll be yeah. like grizzled agents by then, won't we? You know, hobbling in on our sticks. <laughs> Hello, we used to be the Big Blue Box podcast. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there one day. One day. They would be cool, though. Yeah, it would. Yes. Uh, right, yeah, that's what we've been up to. Uh, like I said, hope you guys have had a, a fantastic week. Um, to any new listeners who have jumped on board, waving, hello, hello, hello. Um, this is the, the Big Blue Box podcast. We're here every week, every Friday morning, running you through uh, what's going on in the world of who... Trying to, we don't do rumours and very often and all that stuff. So we do try to give you news and, and merch updates on what's upcoming or what's just been released, etc. Mm-hmm. So welcome aboard, anyone that's been with us for ages. Welcome back. Um, but enough of all that. Enough of it. Shall we land it and see what's going on? Yes. This will be cool news for lots of people. Mm. And they've left it a bit late, to be honest with you. <laughs> they have left it a wee bit late, but uh, yeah. indeed, the, the Beeb uh, has finally revealed the broadcast date for the uh, the upcoming Series 11. Yes. A bit of a controversial shift over to Sunday nights, but uh, mm. uh, yeah, it's going to kick off on Sunday, the 7th of October. Hurrah. Hurrah, hurrah. Mm. What do you reckon on Sunday nights, dude? I, I'm I'm fine with it. I'm I'm amazed. Well, I shouldn't be because <laughs> it's Doctor Who founder, but I'm amazed at the amount of backlash this got just because it's moving from a Saturday <laughs> to a Sunday. It's like uh, maybe it's because I I remember the days of watching Peter Davison, you know, in the week. Can you imagine Doctor Who on in the week? But uh, no, this I think this is a good move. I'm personally I'm really happy about it. I don't know okay. about you because I'm I'm quite often out on a Saturday. Um, so a Sunday nights. <laughs> 
I'm I'm rarely out. I don't think so. Uh, for me, this is good because it means I can go out on a Saturday. I can be all hungover and snuggled up on the sofa on a Sunday evening, ready to go back to work on a Monday, and I can watch Doctor Who the night before. So I'm I'm very happy with this, to be honest with you. I think it'll be good for the show as well. I hope because I think it. You know, the whole time shifting around with series eight and nine and ten mm-hmm. was just ridiculous. You know, and even Peter Capaldi said he didn't know what time he was on because they kept moving the time. So I'm hoping by having it on the Sunday, it will be more, hopefully more of a regular time slot for Doctor Who because it's, it's strictly come dancing, isn't it? That is the reason it keeps getting bumped around on a Saturday. Is that right? Or, uh, it, or it was? No, it's it's the X Factor. Oh, the X Factor. Yeah, because Strictly is the same. I think it's more to do with... Because obviously it's not in, in competition with Strictly because it's on the same yeah. channel. But it's, you know, the X Factor's kicked off again. I think that's been going for a week or two now. Yeah. And I think, does that run right up to Christmas? I think it does, doesn't it? The X Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, ready for the Christmas single, yeah. Yeah, so they've moved it away from Saturday nights. But the, the problem is that Strictly has its result show on the Sunday night. So Strictly's on both nights. And um, so it's, it will either be before or after Strictly, I would say. So, I mean, mm-hmm. in, in terms of sort of powerhouse viewing from the BBC. It's great because everyone's going to be watching the BBC on a Sunday evening. You've got Strictly, which is a really popular show. And then... I think so, yeah. It'll be, you know, uh, preceded or whatever by Doctor Who. But yeah, I mean, I don't mind on a Sunday night either. I think it's... Yeah, I don't... I know a lot of people have complained, but that's just Who fandom. That's you know. new, yeah, it's nothing new. <laughs> you know, Who fans will complain about everything that they announce about the show, but I, I think it's quite cool. And uh, the US, our friends in the US are going to get it broadcast at exactly the same time as us. Yeah, which is good. Which yeah. is cool. And uh, so that means that they'll get it, they'll actually get it earlier in the day. So we'll get it exactly the same time, but they'll get it sort of in the afternoon mm-hmm. on a Sunday as opposed to Sunday evening. But there's, there's one thing I am worried about. I mean, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with it being on a Sunday night, but I am slightly worried about the time slot. I don't know about you, because for me, I think perfect time would be about seven o'clock in the evening. But I get the feeling it's going to be earlier. I, I think, it, like you said, I think it'll probably be on before Strictly. Yeah, um, yeah. So, which will be sort of quarter to six time. And yeah, it's still okay. Uh, but personally, I would have loved to have seen it on around about seven o'clock. I don't know. What, what about you? What's, what's a good time, do you think? Um... I don't know. Well, for me personally, I I quite like. I would like quite like to watch it having dinner. Mm-hmm. So on a Sunday we have dinner fairly. I mean, it wouldn't broadcast this time anyway, but we have dinner fairly early on a Sunday around four o'clock. Oh, okay. And I know that it wouldn't go out that early. Um, mm. But I, at the same time, I don't want it to be sort of in betweeny, if that makes sense. Because yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's very difficult. But uh, I don't want people to be sort of going out on a Sunday and doing their stuff. And then coming home sort of in the afternoon and having to rush home to watch Doctor Who. I'd rather them get home and be settled, have some dinner. Yeah. And then like a little while to have the kettle on them. And then it's on the screen. But I don't know. Whatever time they choose, I'm sure we'll all hmm. be, you know, be around the TV ready. But I don't know. What, what do you think of the title then? So the first episode's revealed as The Woman Who Fell to Earth. Bit of a play on the David Bowie title, that. But uh, I quite like that. It kind of ties in with the cliffhanger ending we got, doesn't it? So, yeah, it's. Uh, we'll have to see what the title. I mean, it seems a bit obvious at the moment. Mm, does yeah, because you know, at the end of uh, when we very first see Jodie, she's literally 
TARDIS is on fire and Mm. whatever, and she's literally falling out. So the title seems a little bit obvious at the moment, but I'm hoping it might have uh, a bit more of a meaning. Um, I don't know. Do you like it? Uh, Yeah, I'm fine with it, yeah. Woman Who Fell to Earth, yes. uh, Like you said, it does seem a bit obvious, but we'll see. Um, Is it like everything to do with Series 11 so far? It doesn't give much away, so I quite like that. What do you think of the trailer as well? We got a new little, well, not trailer, it's like a a teaser, would you call it, with like a glass ceiling smashing mm-hmm. into fragments and Jodie going, whoops. Yeah. Um, it's what, cool. do you, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's quite cool. It's uh, it's very, you know, as we've seen in the, in the build-up uh, to Series 11, it's very short and sweet and doesn't give anything away as usual. Um, the Chibbers seems to be really just not showing anything at all. Nothing. <laughs> uh, but no, I think it's quite funny. It's a cool, and I love Jodie in that little scene. She's... Yeah. Very cool. I, I liked it. A lot of people mentioned the music in it, didn't they? Saying what, you know, what is, because they used two quite current, like, tracks from the charts. I mean, I'm not really down with the kids, so I couldn't tell you what either of the songs are, but they're quite current, aren't they? And Doctor Who doesn't normally do that. Normally it has a bit of specially composed music. So in this one, I don't know what, do you know what the songs are? I mean. I don't. I recognise them though. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know what they are off the top of my head, but. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Doctor Who rarely uses current mm. pop songs. Pop songs, yeah. In its uh, in any of its material, so yeah, I'll very... tell you this though: it's been stuck in my head ever since. Because one of them, something says something about gonna start again. <laughs> it's gonna be a fresh start. It's like, oh, all right, okay, you know, really hammering it home. Yes, I can imagine them. I can imagine the moth sat at home with a big glass of red wine, going, "Yeah, get you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the screen." You know, gonna start again, fresh start. You know, so yeah, I, I think it works all right. I, I can. It did. It was a little bit jarring the very first time I watched it. I was thinking, what is this music? This is a bit weird. But uh, I, that's not necessarily a bad thing because it kind of made me sit up and, oh, what the hell's this sort of mm, thing? So yeah. it looked good as well. I was kind of hoping that there'd be some hidden pictures in all those shards of glass. I was thinking, I wonder if the Chibbers has hidden a, a monster or two in there for us to freeze frame. But I don't <laughs> think he has. No, he's too clever. <laughs> He's far too clever for that. But yeah, it looks, yeah. looks good, didn't it? Visually, it was quite nice. And I, yeah, I had to Google what the, I've never heard that phrase about breaking the glass ceiling before. Yeah. Uh, it's kind I'm of, sorry um, to say, I feel a bit out of touch there, but yeah, it means like it's empowerment of yeah, empowerment of women, empowerment of groups or yeah. It could be. It's got a bit of a metaphorical. So it had a bit of a meaning to it because everyone was going on about yeah. it on Twitter saying, oh, I see what you did there, breaking the glass. And I was like, what? I've never, I've not heard that before, but Yeah. It's um, it's like a, a glass ceiling. It's when you feel like something has got, um, like as far as it can go. Mm-hmm. It's sort of you know. I, I think that's what it's trying to say anyway. But I like it. Yeah, I liked it too. Yeah, I thought it was a nice little teaser. Yeah. So the seventh of October, Sunday. That's it. Can't wait. Only a couple of weeks. Right. Uh, Our Australian friends are getting a treat as well because um, this particular episode, uh, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, is going to be premiered in cinemas um, on the 8th of October. Uh, So it's a couple of hours after it's actually broadcast on, you know, the UK and US televisions. Um, So that'll be cool. So, I mean, I do love going to see Doctor Who at the cinema. We've said this before. So, I, unfortunately, Australia is a little bit far for me to go for this, but it's great for our Australian <laughs> listeners because uh, it's going to be quite. Um, it's going to be across the nation, it says. So there's quite a few participating cinemas uh, doing this. So yeah, um, it, there's also going to be a little feature length 
uh, no, sorry, there's also going to be a little snippet of behind the scenes as well uh, as an extra treat. I guess that'll be after the showing. So quite a nice little event if you can get along to it. Um, I did try clicking. We had a link to all the listed cinemas, but unfortunately it's um, it's not coming up on my screen. But it's it's going to be in quite a few, I think. I don't know if you've got the list to hand, but yeah, the list, I couldn't get yeah. it to come up, unfortunately. No, it shows the uh, uh, Sharmil Films. Uh, yeah. website but it says that we couldn't find the page you're looking for so um, I don't know if they've moved the link or whatever but um, unless I click on this one oh here we go so wow it's showing in loads is it which is great that's yeah. good then uh, obviously uh, New South Wales Victoria Queensland uh, I wonder if our friend Sammy will be able to get to this I was trying to think which part yeah. of Australia Sammy's in yeah yeah. Uh, give us the lowdown on it but no it's really cool it's we did have a, a brief conversation about this, I'm pretty sure, in the build-up to mm. Series 11. And we said it doesn't sound like they're going to do any of these sort of cinema premieres and all that stuff. But that's right. it seems like the, the Aussies have snuck one in. Yeah. So that's good. <laughs> I like the fact it's after it's been shown as well, because I think, like what we were saying about them doing cinema releases, it was very unlikely the Chibbers would mm. do a premiere like they did with... Um, was it Series 8 where they showed it about a week before or something? Or They've I done it a couple so. of times, haven't they? Yeah, yeah we couldn't see the Chibbers doing that. Um, but yes, very cool. It is. There you go. Uh, in other news, uh, this is a bit sad. I'm getting fed up with doing these. I know. These sad news I announcements. It's, um, it's not good. But uh, Peter Benson, uh, who played Boar uh, in the, um, the Fifth Doctor story Terminus, you know, he's one of the Varney, uh, yes. has passed away sadly at the age of 75 and he was really good in that he was because it's not the best story exactly. but he does stick in my mind like yeah. you know sometimes the actors you sort of think oh, i can't quite remember them or he does as soon as i saw the picture i was like oh yes you know i knew straight away who he was sort of thing yeah mm. so you're right yeah it's not the the greatest of the um of the fifth doctor era no. but i remember his character though he didn't have the biggest mm. but he was i just remember him um from, I'm not just saying that because we're, you know, reading this this article, but it, I remember him from that story. It was very, very good. And, yeah. Um, he did. Um, I don't remember seeing him seeing him in many other things, but he apparently he was in the Corrie for a while. Uh, he was in the Bill, and he did a bunch of theatre work as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's very sad. He leaves us um, at the age of seventy five. Seventy five. Yeah. Yes. And the last bit of news. Oh, yes. Sorry, I was thinking that was me. Yes, there is. Sorry, I need to wake up. Yeah, there is a, a, another bit of great news, actually. I, I thought this had been forgotten about. I don't know about you, but K9, do you remember that movie? The one that was meant to be out in Christmas 2017. Yes, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Was it called Time Quest or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> well, it's still there. It's still, they're still beavering away, trying to get it made and stuff. But there's been quite a big advan advancement on this, actually. So they're actually now going to tie it in with a, an actual TV series, which is going to you know, be centered all around K9. And uh, they've whoever they are have teamed up with a major US and UK company um, that are developing this multi-million dollar series, which is going to establish K9 as the brand. And then this will tie in with the film. So it's also going to bring back the character of Omega, which was, you know, uh, that was rumored ages ago, wasn't it? About this movie of Omega yeah. and K9. So, yeah, it's all happening. Um, but it's we're looking at, I think it's going to go into production early sort of 2019. So we're still quite a way off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so don't go booking your cinema ticket yet. But it's good to know it's still 
kicking around out there? Because I thought it just been completely dropped. I don't know about you. It's been so long since we heard anything about this this film, and I, I never saw the. They did a sort of update of the canine, didn't they? They did a TV series. Was it Australian or Australian? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I never got to see that, but I remember it didn't go down very well. But um, hopefully, this one will will be good because I, I do love canine. Absolutely, I'm hoping so. And mm. so um, it's interesting that this this deal that they've worked up with um, with a, a, a US slash UK company uh, to to bring a TV series. Um, rocking and rolling as well as the feature film that was originally planned anyway. Yeah. So that's interesting. It sounds like a lot of money is being, it's because it says a new multi-million dollar series or series, plural, um, mm. which will establish the canine brand. So it sounds like they're really pushing hard to make it a, a you know, a proper standalone brand of its own that can run alongside Doctor Who, but Sounds like they're pumping a lot of money into it. I hope it's. I hope it pays off because the last thing we want is, um, <laughs> you know, this to be a flop and canine sort of drifts back into the distance of just popping no, up I in know. classic who now and then. But I'm, I'm hoping yeah. it does well because it's a it's a great little character. You know, everyone loves canine, so yeah. I don't know if they get it right, it'll be good. Let's put it that way. Or is it if they get if they get it right? Oh, absolutely, mate. If they get it, it could, right, it'll be awesome. Could be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's it for news. What has our tin friend got for us this week? <laughs> Get him in. Match corner. Match corner. Match corner. I don't know that to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. This is very pretty. Mm. If you're into this sort of thing. So I think about two or three months ago now, we said that the... Christmas special twice upon a time was going to get a 4K Ultra HD uh, or 4K Blu-ray release in the US, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And uh, I didn't even notice this was up in the UK, but you you can order it in the UK now. So the the 4K version um, of twice upon a time, and it's going to come with the standard Blu-ray as well. Uh, it's being released on September the 24th. Interestingly enough. Hmm. And, yeah, what do you got on this one? (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't really appeal to me. I mean, I don't have a 4K television, so uh, it's kind of, yeah, kind of goes over my head a bit, this one. But great, I suppose, if you do. I guess it's an upscale, though, rather than a direct transfer, is it? Because it says here the extras have not been upscaled, so I'm assuming. I don't know. But, yeah, I mean... (sighs) It's not the best story. I, I recently rewatched it actually, and I I did really enjoy it despite all its like flaws. I I actually found it quite a fun little watch, but I have to be in the right mood for it. It's mainly because I just love David Bradley. But um, yeah, I don't know. Great, great if you've got a four K. I guess. I mean, it does it, visually. It's very nice. Like the battle scenes and that do look fantastic in it. So mm. I guess it would be good to have that in four K. But uh, yeah, I don't think I'll be getting it myself but yeah it does seem like a strange and it's always the way with with any kind of format where you've had something filmed in a certain resolution Mm. and then they try and release it as like the next level up so in this case i'm pretty sure this would have been filmed in hd yeah 
And what they've done is, yeah, you're right. So in the description, it says, uh, for the first time, experience Doctor Who like never before, upscaled to glorious ah. 4K. Now, mm. that to me just, I think if people aren't sort of fully aware of what that means, they could potentially wander in blindly and think, oh, yeah, Doctor Who's going to be on 4K. And I, I've got a 4K player, mm. but I won't be ordering this because it's upscaled. I'll, I'll only order anything in 4k if it's been filmed and mastered in 4k because yeah it's a bit like with standard you know with the, with the thing that we've gone through uh with certain tv shows where they're fairly old and they bring them out on blu-ray and they've just been upscaled and it makes no obviously there's an improvement in the image because it's been the resolutions you know higher but the source material still you can still tell that it hasn't had the proper treatment. Mm, sometimes is, it looks worse, doesn't it? Sometimes if something's a bit grainy or dark, it actually looks worse for being upscaled because it looks yeah. fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. which is why the Series 12, Season 12 um, Blu-ray set that was that we got picked up, what was it, a couple of months ago now? Mm. Or last month? Um, which is why I was really happy to see all of the um, supporting articles or whatever of the restoration team actually cleaning up the image for those blu-rays from the the original source material yeah it does make a big difference absolutely yeah so mm. if i mean i'll maybe not have ordered it anyway just because it's not it's just that thing with doctor who christmas specials none of them really <laughs> sort of jump out at you as like you know these are amazing doctor who ah, stories they should be as well they're like mini movies but they they never never are really yeah so if this was a proper, if this was filmed in 4K and all the rest of it, then potentially I might have done. But mm. uh, otherwise, if you want it, if you if this is your thing, though, then you know, crack on. Um, the end of September, and it's uh, 18 quid on Amazon at the moment. Mm. And just to say, it is not extended as well. A lot of people, when this first was announced, that it had a sort of uh, extra long running time, and people were a little bit excited that it might include the Tenth um, Planet stuff that they recorded but never included. So there was some really good stuff cut from this. Mm -hmm. And I think people were hoping this might be an extended edition, but according to the runtime, it's still 60 minutes and it's still got the same extras as the DVD. So yeah, not quite sure who it appeals to, but if it does appeal to you, like Gary said, yeah, it's out 24th of September. <laughs> right. <laughs> on to something that does appeal to me. I think this will appeal to you as well. Uh, the Dr. Men books that we've been getting. Um, it's funny, isn't it? They released four or five to begin with, and then there was a bit of a gap. And then all of a sudden we've like caught up and uh, Dr. <laughs> 13th is on her way and that will complete our run. Hmm. Then, yeah. So we'll have them all then. Um, so she's coming out, I think it's January next year, is it? Um, ooh, not too sure. I think I think it is January. Yeah, I, so I guess so. I'm yeah. I can't see it now, but I'm sure it's January. Yeah. Um, I'm always interested when they announce these to see how they've caricatured the, you know, each doctor. Because I think some of them we've said look great. And then sometimes we get bizarre <laughs> little things like the third doctor had his monocle, didn't he? And we yeah. were like, don't remember the third doctor and monocle. Um, this one... I'm a little bit disappointed with it, to be honest with you, because it's it's just a bit boring. Because you know the the thirtieth Doctor is so colourful in her outfit, mm -hmm. and this is just a, I don't because I, I'm colourblind, I can't tell what colour is she. So she's is it orange, yellow, yellow. Yeah, so she's like uh, the best way to describe. So the her, the body is like a mustard yellow, mustard, right, and the right. hair is a a lighter yellow. 
Yes. So she's just all yellow then. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, because to me, she looks slightly orange, but I am colorblind. And to me, she looks like she's been on a sunbed <laughs> for the last hour. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's still fun. It's still cute. And I will get them because I do love these Mr. Men books. But yeah, I'm just a little bit disappointed. I think they could have done something a bit more exciting yeah. with it. Um, I'm just reading through. Um, uh, I think it's out in November, actually. Uh, actually, hold on. That's the Kindle edition. So yeah, the paperback. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it's... Oh, no, it does say the 6th of November. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, so November we'll be getting this one. But I'm slightly confused on the look, though. I will be honest with you. Yeah. Um, because looking at some of the other um, uh, characters that they created for these, they've all got their sort of unique little things that... So, for example, Matt Smith's Doctor is, you know, doesn't have any clothes on but he's got the fez and the little bow tie. Uh, the same for uh, Capaldi. You know, no clothes, but he's got the sonic sunglasses on. Yeah. etc. cetera. Whereas Jodie, she's, you know, she hasn't got any clothes on. All she's got is the little socks and boots. Now, socks and boots and in her current costume as the Doctor isn't the standout feature to me. It's her T-shirt and the braces and potentially the coat. And it seems strange that they've... They've gone with that because it looks like she's, yeah, naked. Naked. You, you, yeah. Well, they're all naked, but you know they've all got <laughs> their little distinguishing features. But her distinguishing feature is not her socks and boots to me. No, you, you've hit know. you've hit the nail on the head there, mate. Yeah, I, I was thinking earlier she just looks really plain, but that's exactly what it is. So you're right. Like four's got his scarf, seven's got his question mark umbrella. Don't know about Colin. <laughs> Little... It cracks me up every time I look at the six doctor, just a big pink yeah. blob with a little bow tie. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's because she hasn't got anything. It's, you know, it does make her look a bit plain compared to the others. Yeah. Maybe that's why they gave third a monocle. That is bizarre, isn't it? I'm sure bit. they could have thought of something for him, even if it was just his Sonic. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> it does seem a bit, you're right though. It's a bit plain. A bit plain. Yeah. But I'll still be getting it because I love the books. Of course, yeah. <laughs> of course. And lastly for merch, uh, moving on, uh, but carrying along the Roger Hargreaves theme with the whole Mr. Men, Little Miss thing, uh, they're bringing out a collection. So all 13 Doctors are going to come out. And we're unsure at the moment what this actually is, whether it's a complete set of all the 13 books together or if it's a single book with stories of all 13 Doctors. We're not sure yet. There isn't enough details. But uh, this will be coming out. Is it a similar time or is it next year? So next year. So March next year. Okay. So a little bit further to wait for this one. But this is a collection of all the 13 uh, Doctors. Uh, Like I said, not sure if it's a collection of stories or if it's a collection of each individual book that Mm. you can pick up. But uh, yeah, they're making a little push with this. I like it. I like that they're still doing the, the mashup for these are mm. very, very cute. Some of them a little bit yeah, hit and miss, but overall they're very cute. Love it. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I'm looking at the eighth Doctor one. He looks like the Incredible Hulk, doesn't it? The eight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Some of them are hit and miss. Uh, very hit and miss. Like, yeah, the eighth Doctor one, especially Pertwee. He's kind of got the hair right, but you just rarely, I can't remember any episode with that bloody monocle. No, they've given the first Doctor one, but yes, you know, that I can relate to. Yes, he had a... But not Pertwee, no. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, nice little set though, that I think. Yes. Be, be good to get, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's going to do for news and merch. Right. 
Review time. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Review time. Torchwood, what we got, dude? Torchwood, yeah, so carrying on series one uh, with the episode Small Worlds. If they want to, they can make great storms, wild seas, turn the world to ice, kill every living thing. Let me go. The child won't be harmed. Child, you can't. Answer me. She won't be harmed. We told you she lives forever. Dead world, is that what you want? What good is that to you? There will be no more chosen ones. They'll find us back in time. Take her. No! You ask me what chance we have against them for the sake of the world? This is our only chance. Jack and I have always disagreed about fairy. I only see the good ones. He only ever sees the bad. They're all bad. They're friendly, loving creatures. Torchwood, Sunday at 10 on BBC Three. BBC Three. BBC Three, I know. <laughs> good old days. Good old days, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, Small Worlds. Uh, it was broadcast in November 2006. It was written by Peter Hammond, directed by Alice Troughton, and obviously produced... Uh, hold on, hold on. Co-produced by Chris Chibnall. Chibbers. Chibbers again. Getting in there. O- overseen by RTD and uh, Julie Gardner. It's got the usual cast. Uh, very, very light on... Um, uh, supporting uh, cast? Yanto, sorry. Oh, Yanto, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> very, very light on Yanto once again. And supporting cast is... Uh, yeah, there's a few. Mm. Not too big, but there's a few. And the story is, uh, it's about the the age-old classic uh, fairy story. And it centers around the <laughs> the really old photographs that were, I'm sure this is a real thing. It was uh, based on the those really old photographs with that woman in the forest with the fairies mm. that everybody thought was, well, they tried to convince for, for decades it was real. And then... When they were OAPs, the women that took the photo said, yeah, it's all fake, by the way. I'm pretty sure this story is based on those photos, those old black and white photos. And uh, this is like Torchwood's, um, their version of it. And essentially, it's this old um, woman that used to be Captain Jack's girlfriend way back um, Mm. during the war, the First World War. And she took a photo of the fairies and said, you know, these things are real, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I don't know how... But Captain Jack is fully aware of this whole world of fairies. That's right, yeah. And, and all that stuff. And he's essentially saying, no, fairies are bad. Bad, bad, bad beings. You know, they have the power to travel in time. They have the power to control the elements and they can, you know, destroy life and the planet and all the rest of it. And the fairies, every once in a while, it sounds like they they target a a child, a small girl and label them as the chosen one and they take the child and turn them into a fairy i suppose and then they're part of the little fairy group and it centers around this little girl called is it estelle no that's the old woman oh that's the old woman isn't it yeah sorry the the young the young woman the young girl then i think is called kate um 
I think that's Jasmine, uh, isn't it? The oh, little Jasmine, girl? yes. Yeah. Sorry, Jasmine, yes, yes. Uh, she's been targeted as the chosen one. The fairies are after her, and it's down to Captain Jack and Torchwood to save her. But I don't know if depressingly is the right word, but depressingly at the end, Jack just sends her off with the fairies. He does. The father-in-law's been killed. The uh, the wifey, she's left distraught. And uh, yeah, I didn't feel very good after watching this one, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, I know it's Torchwood and it's meant to lean further on the darker side of the, the world of Doctor Who and it's not all happy and roses and every, everything gets saved like it is in Who, but I still felt a bit like, oh. Bit of a downer. A bit of a downer after this one, but Mm-mm. yeah, no, that's the... Uh, that's the crux of the story. What did you reckon to this one, Small World? Yeah. yeah. It's a strange one, isn't it? It's, <laughs> a, it's a really strange story. Um, me and you both said last week, or whenever it was, that we couldn't remember anything about this. We both felt like we maybe hadn't even seen it, didn't we? I mean, yeah. I knew I had because I've watched them all. But yeah, nothing about this stu- stu- uh, stuck in our mind. And I kept thinking, mm. now that probably means it's really bad. But um it's just strange. I don't know what to say. It, <laughs> I kind of enjoyed. I kind of enjoyed it. I kind of enjoyed what was going on. I certainly enjoyed it more than some of the previous episodes because so far I'm finding series one of Torchwood really uneven. So, certainly nowhere near as good as I remember so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but this one I enjoyed it because it had a a slower pace to it. If that makes sense, it took its time. Like Cyberwoman, which was the last time one we reviewed was just like turned into one half hour chase sequence in the end. And it was just, you know, chase, action, shooting, chase, action, mm-hmm. shooting. It just, you know, it got so repetitive and boring. One thing I did like about this is, is that although the story was strange, it took its time, but it did um, it did play out the story quite well. So I, I did enjoy the slower pace of this and the storytelling rather than just action, action, action all the time. Yeah. Uh, and it was yeah. nice to see, you know, um, Jack and Gwen just being a bit quieter and, you know, just centering around them two mainly. Because uh, like you say, the other guys kind of get sidelined a bit in this story. Um, but like you, I, I, the ending was just a bit, <laughs> yeah, it's sort of finished. And, you know, like when we're reviewing Sarah Jane, like we've both said, we can't wait to go on to the next episode, but we hold ourselves back because, you know, we're enjoying it so much. And with this one, I, I sort of switched off and went, oh, okay. <laughs> it was There was none of that sort of, oh, you know, I look forward to when we do the next Tortured episode. There was none of that sort of feeling at the end of this. So I totally get what you mean. But um, yeah. but I think so far, considering the stories we've had up to this point, which have been very uneven, I would say this is one of the better ones so far in Series 1. I, I enjoyed it despite the strange, you know, subject matter, <laughs> if you like. Yes. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, uh, just odd. Enjoyable, but odd. It was an odd one. Yeah. Did you enjoy it or did you, because you said you were a bit deflated at the end, or did you find it a bit of a slog? Um, I found it, no, I didn't find it a slog really. Mm. I just found it a little bit, a little bit out of character for Torchwood. Mm. Because, I don't know, it, it... Torchwood's not just isolated to your classic Who aliens. I know that. Mm. It just seems like the... I mean, don't get me wrong, it's it's a cool, sort of quirky, uh, sort of out-of-left-field sort of story because it kind of deals with two 
two things at the same time. It, you're right, the, the rest of the cast get left behind a little bit, so it does concentrate mainly on Jack and uh, sort of Jack and Gwen's relationship a little bit. They seem to be getting a little bit closer still. Yeah. So Jack is like the focus of it. And uh, so it's about him, but then you've also got the other the other thing, which is the fairy thing. And it's, on paper, it sounds a bit ludicrous. You know, it sounds it does, a bit yeah. like, you know, Torchwood investigating fairies. But then the way that they've been done is quite cool, I would say. It's not mm. like the little, it's not like Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, where you've just got like a little dangling light on the end of some fishing line and that sort of thing that sort of it doesn't go down the sort of disney magical fairy story thing if that makes sense it's more about and and i like the the rift that they've taken on it where jack's you know absolutely crapping himself throughout the whole story because he knows Mm -hmm. the threat he knows what these things can actually do so i like that part of it it just seems to be I, i can't put my finger on it it's just something about the story just feels very out of not very but slightly out of place for Torchwood mm. if that makes sense it just feels like it's a I mean don't get me wrong it's a great little I don't know how to describe it like a monster of the week sort of thing it's a great if you take the Jack the Captain Jack things out of it it's a great little isolated story yeah you know that that's kind of cool and uh, yeah what was this thing oh it was the Cotting Cottingly Fairies it was based on it was these two uh, these two women in sort of 1920, 1918, something like that. They were cousins. And they took these photographs with the alleged fairies. Mm. And I think one of them pops up at the end of Torchwood. And when Gwen zooms in at the end, it's the little girl. It's the it's little, little girl, Jasmine so. uh, face. So it is mm. true what Jack was saying. They can travel back and forward through time. And, you know, they can. They can be fairly mean. Uh, what did you think to? Because I quite like how they were portrayed in this. Everyone, everyone thinks that they're these cute little, lovely, loving yeah. things that sprites you see in the forest and all the rest of it. But like I said, Jack's crapping himself throughout the whole episode, and it's not until you see what they're capable of. You know, the little the it's a. Now this bit's a bit closer to knuckle because how we see the 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 creepy guy that's hanging outside the school how we see, you know, what happens to him mm. shortly afterwards. I quite like what these fairies are capable of. Yeah. How do you think, did you like how these were portrayed versus the classic little cute fairy? Yeah, I think that's what makes the story work for me, is that, because I've never thought of fairies as being scary before. <laughs> and they do quite a good job, I think, actually, because, you know, they keep the, when we sort of see the actual fairies in their realistic form, they look quite gross, don't they? They're quite yeah. Scary. I mean, CGI is dated, obviously, but I like the design of it. But yeah, it's more the use of this flower petal thing that they shove down people's throats and choke them with. And so yeah. that bit when yeah. that guy is stumbling through the market, coughing up all these petals, mm-hmm. is gross. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. Um, and it, but it does have the effect that it's supposed to of making you know what these fairies do mm-hmm. actually quite horrific and scary so um so yeah i thought that was good i, I thought that sort of brought it home that you know don't you know don't dismiss them just because they're fairies they're actually quite nasty mm-hmm. capable of quite nasty things but the good thing is because you think i suppose that they're evil but then they're not really are they because like the guy turns out to be a pedophile so they're just sort of 
taking care of the chosen one, aren't they? Because he tries to snatch her at one point. So, yeah, it's. um, I thought it was done quite well. I mean, I did find that quite hard to watch when he was coughing up the pearls. It was. Mm. It went on quite long didn't it It wasn't just sort of one because i thought that would be it when he sort of coughs up the first lot and then there's sort of three or four shots of it of him just keep constantly coughing up these petals it was quite grim it was gross thought, wasn't it yeah. yeah did we get something similar to that in class something to do with petals we had yeah it was the little the little flowers that were killing people do you remember and there was like yeah. thousands of them that Sort of swept in from. I can't remember the story because. We, it, no, I know. I just kept thinking the way through. Did something like this happen in class? Because I remember, yeah. I remember it wasn't done as as effective of this because it's really quite horrific in this. And I seem to remember in class we were just laughing at all these petals going across the road and people going, "Oh no," <laughs> or whatever it was. But yeah, it's quite, it's quite, um, it's quite uh, grim in this, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, mate. I, I've only watched class once. I haven't watched rewatched any of them. Since no, I haven't out, either. No. Yeah, there was there was definitely a, a definitely a petal thing. A petal thing. Yeah. And I think what am I trying to say here? You know, sometimes in Doctor Who, where there's like a, there's a there's a line, isn't there, between science and science fiction mm. and magic. And you know, there's a couple of select stories in Doctor Who where you think, ah. Oh, uh, are we sort of crossing that line a little bit? Are we going in? It's a bit like Battlefield, the Seventh Doctor story. All the Merlin stuff. Yeah. You know, mm. it, it it feels a little bit like that. It feels a little bit like there's a line. Mm. It's a science fiction show, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with including references to sort of magical, mythological creatures or anything like that. But these fairies, they seem to be this sort of omnipresent, all-powerful nothing to do at all with science fiction or anything like that and i think that's what i'm trying to say actually before we get onto characters it, it does feel like a bit like they crossed over that line just a little bit into mm. in the realm of these are magical creatures they're not aliens because gwen does ask jack she says are these alien and again while jack's crap in his pants he seems to do that through the entire story he does yeah <laughs> um, he's like no and then he does this little monologue where he says these creatures are everywhere but they're nowhere and they travel through time and they have the power to destroy whatever mm-hmm. so i think it's just that if they would have because sometimes what they do in doctor who is they get around this thing by um sort of creatures or monsters that we've known in human history it turns out like you know the uh what was the matt smith story with the vampires in venice yeah vampires of venice vampires of venice yeah it's mm-hmm. a bit like that where we know them as classically as as vampires but doctor who sort of spins it a little bit and says no they're aliens from this planet and that's how doctor who gets around this sort of magical mythological creature sometimes but they didn't do that at all with torchwood because gwen does say are they alien and he's like no so it would have been I don't know if it would have been better or worse for that. I'm not sure if they would have said, actually, these little things are actually from the planet whatever, mm. and they've got this power and they're after this because they need to charge their ship somewhere or they need to charge a crystal somewhere that powers their ship or whatever. I'm yeah. not sure, but I just think my head just spins a little bit after I watch this one. Mm. It's only the second time I've seen it. And uh, yeah, my head just spins a little bit with that magical line. I'm not sure. I, 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 no, I do get what you mean. I must admit there were 
there were a couple of bits where I wasn't a hundred percent sure what was actually happening. Um, I must admit, <laughs> uh, there was because there was a point where <laughs> there was a point where um, after it finished, because I'd made a few notes, and one of the notes I wrote was, "Why did they kill Estelle?" Because that that wasn't clear to me, so I sort of quickly flicked back to the scene mm-hmm. to sort of find out, and it, it kind of is just because she's messing around with the you know the fairy world and she yeah, sort of summons yeah. them and there isn't really an explanation as far as i could tell um i think it I was just know. that mate she was messing yeah, around tinkering. in their world sort of thing yeah 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 so she gets killed so yeah i mean it's i guess it's all there but i did think sometimes the sort of story got a little bit lost and mm. uh, as i said i liked the slower pace i like the fact that it just sort of told the story but about 35 to 40 minutes in it did feel like they were really had to sort they felt about 10 minutes where they were really stretching it and that it needed to cut to the conclusion because there was a bit where there's like this build-up towards the end where they're sort of coming it's when the dad's having the you know the barbecue or whatever and he they and in the school so there's sort of all this um wind blowing around the school and everyone's getting terrified and Mm -hmm. that that seemed to really go on too long i kept thinking right so everyone's scared more scared Mm -hmm. act scared right it's more wind you're scared they're coming they're getting it i kept thinking you know they're taking a blimmin long time yeah and it felt like it was just about sort of five or ten minutes too long um because as i said i like the concept of the story but it did feel like it struggled really to fill the are these 45 minutes or an hour they're 50 minutes. Uh, 50 actually. minutes and they're in yeah. between. So it felt like it just struggled a little bit towards the end um, to, to fill that 50 minutes. But but yeah, overall, I thought it was quite enjoyable. Yeah, I know what you mean. There was mm. a, you know, I mean, I appreciate the lower pace, the, the mm. slower pace as well. It, yeah. It gives you a little bit more time to have a bit of character progression, which I did a little bit with Captain Jack. I like the flashback scenes. I liked that. It yeah. was really good. The opening scene where Jack's, He's he's fallen asleep, obviously. Uh, Captain Jack that never sleeps, by the way. And he's uh, he's fallen asleep and he's having a bit of a nightmare. And uh, but they only show a little bit of it, don't they? Because he wakes up. You only see like a one of the soldiers on the train carriage with the petals in his mouth, and then he wakes up suddenly. Mm. Which is another thing that was a bit of a prelude because Captain Jack must have known that something like this was coming up because he has this nightmare about the fairies. Yeah, and then you know smack in the face here's a fairy problem <laughs> that he has to deal with <laughs> so that was cool and then later on when he's telling Gwen about what happened he was in charge of this little squadron of soldiers and they killed a girl accidentally and she was a chosen one that the fairies had mm. chosen and then it's really creepy actually I found that bit really creepy they did it really well when the train goes through the tunnel and because Captain Jack's not really involved in all the the ruckus that's going on. All these soldiers are having a drink and a laugh and playing cards and it's quite loud. And then when they go through the tunnel and when Captain Jack's sort of narrating over the flashback, he's like, and then came the silence. And then it's horrible because the carriage is pitch black and everything just goes deadly silent. Mm. And then when it comes out the other end of the tunnel, all the soldiers are dead. Yeah. It was done really well. So I like the flashback sequence and it was a really cool little, like I said, the story is made up of two parts really. The And the link is um, Estelle, wasn't it? Because they try to play it off as it was Jack's dad in the photograph with us. Yeah. Even though Gwen knew it was Jack, really. So it was cool that that's half of the story was. It gave us a bit more of an insight into Jack and how long he's actually been alive. And, and I, I really that liked that part of the story. Yeah. I love the fact we got a bit more 
character development from Jack yeah. and, and a bit more thing. Because I was trying to think, though, how does Gwen work it out? Because she doesn't know a lot about Jack yet, does she? She doesn't know he's like a mortal. Oh, I suppose she does because he's got a but She doesn't know that much about Jack yet. So I was surprised she worked it out so quickly. Um, but I bet I loved all that, that he yeah. was actually, you know, Estelle was an old girlfriend who's obviously got old and he's still the same, at, you know. Yeah. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, I think the thing that I'm sort of was unclear about throughout this whole episode was why the fairies were killing people though. I mean, why were they, why did they kill all the people on Jack's train? Well, that's it because when they, when they select somebody, a a little girl as the chosen one, Mm. there's then that process of them sort of bringing her into the fairy world, if you like. And what they'll do is they'll, they become very protective, I suppose, of the chosen one which is why in the story, when the two girls are bullying Jasmine in the playground, they sort of turn up and turn the wind machine on and scare the crap out of everyone. And it's the same thing with the guy, the creepy guy, waiting outside the school because he made an attempt to to harm her, I suppose. Yeah, abduct her. They're not having it. So, And I think it's the same situation because Jack explains in that flashback that I think it was the day or the week before they're on that train all of those soldiers got really drunk and ran over, knocked over that little girl. And so the fairies act their revenge on the soldiers. But because oh. Jack wasn't involved in that, they left him alone. Oh, okay, I must have missed that. That's right, really strange. Right. Yeah, again, I should have gone back and rewatched it. Yeah, because I didn't pick up on that. So maybe I was getting a coffee at that point. I maybe, don't know. <laughs> maybe you were checking Twitter or something at the time. Yeah, I must have, I must have drifted <laughs> off at that point because I, that, I didn't get that. Right. Yeah, Jack does explain that but that's how the soldiers died. It was like the fairies' revenge for killing their chosen one at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I'm going to blame my other half for that thing because I remember I remember um, uh, fans saying to me, "Why is why didn't they kill Jack?" And I was like, "Oh, I don't know." So he's probably <laughs> talking over it. So I'm going to blame fan for that one. Blame him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was also yeah. So I like the link between so the two the link between the two sides of the story is Estelle. She's a really cool. I really liked her. I did, yeah. Very great actress. I didn't like it when she died. I knew she was going to have to. I knew straight away as soon as the connection with Jack, I was like, well, she's a goner. But (laughs) I liked her as well. I thought she was really good. Yeah, it's quite horrific, her scene as well, because considering it was she was just getting pelted by rain, (laughs) it actually worked quite well, didn't it? I Mm. thought, well, she's, you know, it's quite a a sad death for her, I thought. Yeah, Yeah. it was sad. And Eve Pierce, who played um, Estelle, she's still with us. She's 89, still going strong. Uh, Mm. She's played that really well. uh, And I felt really, and that's one of the cool things about anything to do with Russell T. Davis. He really creates those, that essence of caring for characters most of the time. Mm. And Estelle is a perfect example of that. She's not, she's not the main focus of the story. She's, you know, she's kind of a plot device to get tortured to investigate the fairies in the first place. Yeah. But because we have that emotional connection, because she's such a lovely person, and we and we know that even though they've tried to palm it off as it was Jack's dad who was in the relationship, we know it was Jack. We knew it was Jack, yeah. yeah we have that sort of emotional connection, and when she dies, it's actually quite sad because she plays the part so well. She's just this lovely old woman who's... Mm. Just got something left in her life that she's passionate about. She's obviously retired or whatever. She's got no family around. So the whole fairy thing is what's left for her, really. That's the thing that she's passionate about. Mm. And when so that in, invokes that connection and it's really sad. And I'll tell you what, the the death scene was 
was uh, scarily well done with mm. her because when they turn up in the garden and she's laying there, her dead body, uh, the way that um, John Barrowman handles her body, she's just properly limped out. It it really yeah, yeah. felt like she. It was scarily realistic because mm-hmm. the way he lifts her head up and it's all floppy and the skin's mm. all grey. I was like, crikey, they've done a good job here. Yeah, really no, I, I thought it was very well done, actually. I guess that's down to Alice Troughton's direction, I suppose, or the editing, I don't know. But yeah, I thought the same, mate. I thought it was really, I was really sad to see, I knew it was coming, but I was really sad when she, as soon as she went out that door, I was like, she's looking for the cat, wasn't she? I was like, oh no, no, that, that's it, she's a goner. <laughs> but it was, it was, yeah, was very well done. It was, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love um, the interaction between her and Jack, actually. And like you said, I think they really played well off each other, those two. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Um, okay, let's rattle through a few characters then. Mm. What do you think to the creepy guy then, the abductor? Oh, no, he's horrible, to... wasn't he? Yeah, that was, again, that was realistically creepy. I was going to say, it's <laughs> weird, isn't it? Because he's um, he's probably one of these people that's really nice in real life, but he's so convincing as that horrible character that... Um, yeah, he was quite good casting. I found him suitably creepy. Yeah. Mm. I wouldn't say he's the best actor in the world, but he certainly fitted that part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great in terms of the subject matter, but played no. very well, though. Played <laughs> yeah, very yeah. Well. He was good. I don't know what the actor's name was, but he was Yeah, he was quite suited to that part, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that guy, I can't remember his name. Um, I don't know. Because there's think... that bit where he's getting killed in the cell, isn't it? And they're showing it on the camera and he's yeah. probably like throwing himself <laughs> around the cell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He must have hated filming that bit through the market as well. Oh, he's that constantly... looks horrible. Yeah, he's like, his eyes are bloodshot and he's constantly choking himself and coughing up. And and kudos to him for, for like the scene when he's dead. <laughs> and uh, Gwen, is it Gwen? Or, or might be... Um, Toshiko uh, takes the petal out of his mouth. She takes about two or three out of his mouth yeah. with uh, some tweezers and he has to remain. I kept thinking, I was watching to see if he blinked or moved or anything because it's quite a close-up shot of his face, isn't it? Yeah. And he does it really well. I kept thinking, it must be horrible having someone putting tweezers down your throat. Um, so kudos to him for managing not to blink yes. and for you know, a good bit of dead acting there from that guy. <laughs> yeah, a bit, a bit of, you know, well, there's a lot of good dead acting in this, isn't there? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. And the two police. Uh, so we have the police uh, constable who arrests him at the market. And then we have the sergeant who's at the police station. Uh, typical Bobby's on the beat. No uh, surprises there. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Typical Bobby's on the beat. Uh, what about um, Jasmine's parents then? Mm. So we've got, this is kind of a, more of a realistic view, I suppose, on modern life it's the the original father has buggered off when jasmine was a baby and the mum has taken up with somebody else who on the surface seems like a bit of a nice guy but he actually seems like a bit of a a bit of a dick yeah i was gonna say he's a yeah not the nicest of stepdads because i think he comes across to to the mum as uh you know, a nice guy, you know, doing right by her daughter and taking her to school and all that lot and coming across as caring. But he actually says some nasty things to her. Like when he's mm. that sort of halfway through when he's taking her to school, I think he says something like, it's no wonder your dad left when you were 
yeah, well, yeah, baby he's horrible. Or something. Yeah, he's horrible. Yeah, yeah. And then he gives her a shot as well, doesn't he? At the bottom of the garden, she realizes that he's boarded the fence back up and repaired it. And oh, yeah. And he gives her a slap. So, he, yeah, mm. I wasn't a fan of him at all, really. I think again, he played the, the guy played the part well. I think his name was William Travis Roy. Mm. I think the guy's name was, and he uh, played it very well. But I think that's what an overarching thing about the performances in this is that they some of them were scarily realistic <laughs> yeah. for what they were hired to do. And I think the direction was great for that. I think Alice Troughton really got, you know, under the skin of some of the story themes and the elements in this. Mm. Even something that's not a main part of the story, like the relationship between Jasmine and her stepdad, you know, that wasn't the driving force of the story. It was just something else to make you want to hate that character. So when he got killed by the fairies, it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, got your comeuppance there. Get rid of him, yeah. Yeah, but again, yeah. it was cool. And the mum was quite cool. She had a cracking scene. Uh, Adrian O'Sullivan, who played Lynn, Jasmine's mum, she had a cracking scene towards the end where she realises that Jack sent Jasmine off with the fairies. Mm. Oh, She's yeah, I know. She really goes for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah legs at him, screaming, hitting him mm. and everything. It's a, it's a great little sort of anti-climax, I suppose. No, I th- I agree with you, mate. I thought they were both both good. Um, I just going back to the direction as well. Yeah, I think Alice Troughton does a great job on this, and I thought the music really added to it as well. Actually, yes. yeah. uh, is that um, is it uh, him? <laughs> is it Murray? I don't know if it is because they never list it. Whoever did the music for this, I thought it really added to the atmosphere of of the whole story. It was very nice, um, underplayed sort of music and and stuff. And you know the bit you said about when he. He uh, puts the fence up. That's great when that fairy smashes through it. Quite a simple effect, but it looked really good, I thought, considering um, some of the CGI is a bit dated in this, obviously. But but that, that looked good, I thought. I, but I, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, good performances from those guys. They're the parents, I thought. Yeah, and I thought the, yeah, the music was really nice, especially towards the end. Mm. That music was lovely. I don't think and, it's... No, I don't think it Murray. is Murray. I can't remember who does the music for Tortured. I mean, I think he does the theme tune, doesn't he? But I don't think he does the instrumental music. I'm not sh- not sure. Somebody out there will know, but Somebody will it know. was very yeah. good. Yeah, very nice. It really adds to the sort of atmosphere yeah. of this story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Estelle, we've spoken about. She really liked her. Really very liked good her. performance. Yeah, lovely understated performance. And yep. she's charming when she's with Jack, isn't she? Yeah. I just, something about uh, an older character when they're all excited and they get into, you know, like she's, like you said, she's passionate about this whole taking photos of the fairies. And when she's doing her slideshow and she's like, well, they didn't come out very well, I'm afraid. And everyone's rolling their <laughs> eyes. <laughs> you know, but no, she was really nice performance. So Eve Pierce, yeah, really nice performance as yep. Estelle. Uh, what about Jasmine then? The the chosen girl, the chosen one. The chosen one. Not yeah, too she's all bad. right. Yeah, yeah, she's not too bad. Yeah, you have to sort of forgive a little bit with young child actors. It's uh no idea how much experience she's had. I don't know if she's done anything since this, or I'm not sure, but she wasn't too bad. No, she, as child actors go, she was perfectly reasonable. Yeah. Yes, and she. I, I thought that she played the, the menacing, like when the two girls are getting blown to, you know, in the school playground. Yeah. And she's just standing there grinning. I thought yeah. she played those type of scenes very well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought she was okay. Yeah, she looked suitably creepy in those scenes. Yeah. I thought that, yeah. yeah. Uh, a very fleeting little appearance. Another little by fleeting Reece. appearance from Reese. I know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he just turns up with Gwen, doesn't he, to their apartment. It's been trashed by the fairies, obviously. 
he's just, it's really weird, isn't it? Because he's had a couple of little scenes in in the last few episodes where he just literally pops up just to remind us he's in the show, mm-hmm. and he's always so good, even though he's on screen for a matter of minutes, if that. Yeah, yeah. He's always just really a welcome sight to see Reese. He always brings a little bit of humour to it and <laughs> and stuff. So I'm glad we get to see more of him in as the series goes on because he's he's a good character. He is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just like a cameo, really, at the moment. It is. And that's a good scene, actually, when they turn up at the flat and it's all wrecked. Because mm. it brings it home, doesn't it, that um, Gwen's furious, isn't she? So that mm. is a good scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. And we have another very small, because last week, <laughs> last week we had a, a, a proper, not last week, the last time we reviewed Torchwood, it was all about Yanso, wasn't it? It was a yeah. Yanso folk. But now he's gone back to, like Reese. That character has gone back to just a little cameo at the beginning. Yeah. And that's it because he's wandering through the hub, isn't he? And <laughs> Captain Jack's like, don't you ever sleep? And, and that's he's, it. He's lucky he's still there after that Cyberwoman incident. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, he's hardly in it. <laughs> he's hardly in it, but yeah, yeah. nothing to mention. Uh, and then, like you said at the very beginning, uh, Tosh and Owen, they kind of get swept to the side in this, don't they? They don't really... Contribute I can't think of much. any scene they're in apart from very one brief scene where they're sort of having a bit of a joke with Gwen and Jack. And I, uh, do you know what? I still don't feel the chemistry between this cast. Um, that's why I like the fact that we get just Jack and Gwen go off and, and get, you know, we get sort of a nice bit of chemistry between those two. Whenever they're all together and they're, it's down to the script, it's written as they're always sort of joking and jibing each other and it's sort of, I don't know, it's just, I'm still not liking it when they're together as a team, but I like it when we get them separated off in their little groups like, you know, like Jack and Gwen. So, um, yeah, they're only in that tiny little scene, aren't they? They are. Yeah. yeah. They're okay. They just don't really do much. Oh, I mean, Tosh, no. she's on the laptop as usual. She's uh, yeah, playing Candy Crush. <laughs> <laughs> she alerts them, doesn't he, to the storms that are breaking out, little isolated little things that the fairies are causing, but that's about it really. Not too much from those guys, but I agree with you, no. the chemistry isn't quite there yet. Not as a group, no. Yeah, and then Gwen Cooper then, so Eve Miles, she's pretty cool in this. Yeah, she's yeah. good, yeah. I like the... She comes across as genuinely scared a couple of times when they turn up at the school to investigate she goes round the side by herself and she can hear the fairies up in the trees and she like jack she craps herself legs yeah. off and yeah so i i like that she was genuinely frightened at various points in this yeah i thought she's great as i said when she she really sort of lets rip about the flat being you know trashed and stuff like that so no she is good she's really settled into the part i think by now um and she's very good with john barrowman together in this as well very good like the Mm. last scene where she can't believe that she's that jack's letting her go off with the fairies she's really distraught and yeah she can't believe it can she yeah Yeah. she's good i like she's yeah she has settled into it as well Mm. by now and then uh john barrowman is jack so I'm pleased to say, yeah, he's much better in this than he was in the previous story, Cyberwoman, because we both said he just didn't seem, he seemed like he was having a bit of a laugh on set, didn't he, in that story? Yeah, we just couldn't yeah. take him seriously. But because he's much quieter and toned down in this story, it's so much better. Um, and I like this sort of backstory about him getting to know a little bit more about the fact that he's sort of seen all this stuff. He's been alive for goodness knows how long. And there's this old girlfriend introduced, but we're not quite sure, you know. And so the backstory that we're starting to get for Jack's becoming more interesting now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he was really good in this story, especially the end when he has to make that decision. 
of, of you know letting the little girl go knowing that you know she's, she's gonna be taken away from her parents i mean yeah I, I thought he was pretty pretty good in this story i have to say it's nice to just see him quieten down the performance a little bit you know be a bit more natural rather than sort of gun toting you know a quick quip at every turn sort of jack it's nice to just see the performance toned down from him a little bit yeah it's um yeah it's under it's not understated but it's a it's a calmer definitely calmer performance yeah quieter yeah performance and that's sometimes you need that sometimes whether it's for a, a couple of scenes or whether it's an entire episode like this i think sometimes you need just a different perspective on somebody Mm. And like you said, he's not. We don't always want to see the quick joking, typical, you know, yeah, gun. So yeah, we need to see a different side, don't we? Yeah, because he can be a bit smug sometimes, can't he, Captain Jack? He can yeah. be a bit full of himself, and it's just nice to see him just yeah toning it down a bit in this yeah. one. Yeah, and we do have a couple of scenes like at the very end. I think he overplayed it a little bit, like when <laughs> he's shouting at. At the fairies that are up in the trees and when he's shouting at Gwen. I think those little scenes, sometimes he does a little bit theatre. But overall... I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah I do know what you mean. <laughs> overall, not too bad. Mm. Um, was there anything else that we need to go into before we uh, stamp let's our scores on it? No, I think we've we've pretty much covered it, actually. Yeah, I haven't got anything else to say on it. Yeah, it's a fairly simplistic story, really, isn't it? So, it is, yeah. Um Okay, so I think it's me to go first. It is you this time. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to give this a... Hmm. <laughs> Can you hear the cogs turning in your, in your head? Yeah. I'm going to give this a 7 out of 10. 7. Now, I, I can see why you struggled there. Because I was exactly the same when I when it finished, I sat there and I hovered my pen over the pad, just like you, for a good thirty seconds to a minute, thinking I don't know because I was somewhere between a sort of six point five and seven. I went with a seven. That's what I've written down. So I am the same as you this week. A seven. Um, right. But I know why you struggled there because it's a it's a little oddity in mm. this one. It's not brilliant, but it's also not bad. And it's exactly. it's certainly yeah. above average. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think a seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Reasonable score. Yeah. What did our listeners think? Mm. We got some audio clips in as well as a few Hooray. social bits. Yeah. Uh, let's kick off with our first audio clip. This is Ash Prosser. Hello, Gary and Adam from the Doctor Who Big Blue Box podcast. This is Ash Prosser with a review for Torchwood Small Worlds. I think I think that it's a good story about loss and the willingness to make the hard uh, decisions. The acting was poorly choreographed when interacting with the fairies, as the actors never seemed as though they were looking at the creatures, more staring into the distance. Lara Philippot, who played, uh, Philippot even, who played Jasmine, stood out as a good child actor when it was her turn in the spotlight. An interesting look into Jack's past, with the flashbacks of his military company and love for Estelle leave you yearning to learn more about him and what he's been through. All in all, it's an okay story, only really being necessary to flesh out Jack's past. A solid 5 out of 10 from me. Thanks, guys. Hmm. Awesome. Is that a first time audio review? No, no. Oh. No. It's cool, though. Yeah, very yeah. nice. Ash Brosser, thank you very much. Over on Twitter, uh, we only had one over on there. It was one of our writers, Jordan Shortman. Hmm. He says, it's definitely the best and my favourite episode of Torchwood. Uh, the fairies are quite creepy and there is some character development for Jack. It's a sad ending 
with someone losing their daughter and boyfriend on the same day, but it's certainly a highlight episode. He also gives it a 7 out of 10. Seven Favourite episode, blimey. Favourite, yeah. Uh, let's go back to the audio stuff. This is for Sammy from Satine from Dan Under. G'day, Gary and Adam, Sammy Satine here. So, Small Worlds, based on the five photographs taken by cousins Elsie and Francis called the Cotter Lingley Fairies. There's a movie based on these photographs called Fairy Tale, a true story from 1997. This is Torchwood's take on it. I love Estelle. I find Jasmine a bit creepy, though. I also find it interesting that the fairies change from looking sweet to full-blown nasty creatures. I like this story. And the writer, Peter's next story, Out of the Rain, for Torchwood Series 2. I give it 10 chosen ones out of 10. See ya. Houses. 10 out of 10. Maximum reviewage. Wowzers, Sammy. Yeah, let's continue. Thank you, Sammy. Let's continue the audio clips, though. This is Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary and the Big Blue Box podcast. And this is my review for the Tortured episode, Small World. To my knowledge, it's uh, I, the only thing that I like about it is I find it quite dreadful. The whole kid story arc, and I believe this is the one with the petals, and it's a bit grotesque. I know that's what Tortured are going for, but I just don't get it, um, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I liked Jack and the ladies' relationship. I like the fact that they kind of giving a reminder that Jack's lived so long. I think that's the only decent part of the story. Uh, I think the characters are fine. They're serviceable. It's just an odd story. And there is that scene with that that, that man. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into how he acts, but it's certainly odd. Uh, and it felt out of place, really. And it felt like they just need... Like, they used a bad guy. They used that kind of person as a representation for the person, for the monsters to help the kid... And I didn't feel that you needed to go to that extreme. I get we're, you know, we're, we're pushing boundaries now, but just not for me. I'm going to give it a four. I think it's okay, but it's just a bit... It's like, no, it's not okay. It's, it's below par. It, I, I, it makes you feel better sick. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. Oh, Alex. I, I'm not laughing at your review, mate. Just the fact you said it made you feel sick. Is that I just got visions of you with petals coming out of your mouth now which is awful but <laughs> oh dear so not impressed not impressed with a four cheers Alex no. uh, over on Facebook so Jacob Whistle says this is actually my favourite episode of Torchwood another favourite well yes it's bonkers some of the CGI is dated and some of the acting is laughably bad I think it's a fascinating story a 10 out of 10 <laughs> my word Andrew Cuthbert the best Torchwood story in series 1 and really pushes the boundaries of British television. There are some dark issues brought to the surface as we get a glimpse into Captain Jack's past. I quite like the building uh, dynamic of Jack and Gwen's relationship too. Ten coughed up rose petals out of ten. Wow. <laughs> Chris Parry. It was great to see another insight into Jack's past and some of the more darker elements of the story, but the one big letdown for me is the fact that the villains are fairies. Mm. Uh, definitely the one I try not to revisit if I can help it a 6 out of 10 Blimey. Martin House says as a whole I thought the first two seasons of Torture were great Children of Earth had some good elements to it but Miracle Day happened and as much as John wants it to I don't think the Bee will do anymore so I think that's just a general review of Torture thank you Martin Right. Uh, Lewis Palmer <laughs> says one of my least favourites so far it's just a bit dull nice to get an insight into Jack's past and it's a decent enough plot but it's all just quite forgettable. The CGI is pretty hilarious as well. Five out of ten. 
Mm. Miles McKenzie, probably one of the strangest episodes in the series. I do like the wee glimpse into Jack's background and do like the chemistry between Jack and Gwen. The cast put up a solid performance though, so just very middle of the road, 5 out of 10. Jason Thayer, creepy fairies, love it, 8 out of 10. And lastly, Joseph Howard says this was a pretty boring episode. <laughs> I do like that we get to see Jack's past and honestly the scenes with him and Gwen are the best of bits of the story. <laughs> Unfortunately, on the whole, it's rather slow, very repetitive, and when the fairies are attacking people, Jasmine's parents are unsympathetic asses, and Ooh. the fairies themselves like like an odd mixture of Gollum, an orc, and a gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it does. I'm looking at a picture of it now on Wikipedia. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just finishes up and says... Um, uh, it's very mediocre at best and just plain old boring at worst. A five out of ten. Dear, oh dear. Dear, oh dear. So some up and down scores there. Did you have anything over on the Geek's Handbag, brother? Uh, yeah, I just had a, had a, a short and sweet from Larry Jensen who just said he thought it was a nice insight into Captain Jack. And uh, Kevin Mullen says, uh, Small Worlds is a lovely little gem in a very uneven first series. Barrowman actually gives an, a very underplayed performance and his relationship with Estelle is well played, being touching and heartbreaking. The fairies are actually quite sinister and I liked Jack comparing them to the Mara. Oh yes, they, he does mention the Mara. He does. The ending yeah. where we see Jasmine in a Victorian photograph is something straight out of Sapphire and Steel, which isn't surprising considering the story was penned by Peter J. Hammond, the creator of the show. Yes, that's true. Uh, so Kevin gives this a 7 out of 10 the same as us cool 7 7 7 out of 10 7 so thank you all so much for your reviews I think it's that's a mixed bag isn't it a mixed bag mainly positive I'd say but we did have a few uh, not happy people in there Uh, I'm surprised by the 10 out of 10s I don't know about you I mean not that it was bad but I'm just yeah a few people said it's their favourite story which is surprising it is surprising but Mm. you know if you like it you like it yeah, you like yeah. it. Next week we're going to bring <laughs> back from the from the the depths of cancelled shows, um, uh, the uh, the eleventh Doctor story that we were meant to do last month. So what we got next week, dude? Yeah, so next month, eleventh uh, Doctor action journey to the centre of the TARDIS. Next month, next week, next week, yeah, <laughs> next week, gen, gen, gen to the centre of the TARDIS journey. To the Journey of the to the centre of the Yeah, so yeah. those of you that sent in audio clips and reviews and stuff, last month for that, I've still got them, so don't worry. But I've got them. Yeah, I'll still put out a, um, a post on Monday anyway, if you want to contribute, if you haven't already done that. So, yeah, get that watch for next week. I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this one, buddy. We've, I don't think we've ever mentioned this episode ever. <laughs> no, we haven't. No, it's going to be a good one to review, I think. It is, yeah. And I think we'll do it, mate, for 201. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sticking with us and listening through episode 201. We have some good news and some sad news today. Yeah. <laughs> Great news that we've got, finally, they've left it very late, the uh, the broadcast date for series 11. But it's going to be with us the 7th of October, on a Sunday, no less. On Sunday, yeah. So get that in your calendars. I'm sure all you guys have got it anyway, but get it in your calendars. We still don't know a time. It's going to be either before or after Strictly. I'm guessing before. 
I'm guessing before. I'm just throwing it out, yeah. I think it's going to be before. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so thank you very much for all of your audio reviews and your uh, little thoughts over on Twitter and Facebook. Very much appreciated. Next week, Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS, the Matt Smith story. So get that watched because we'll be asking you lot for what you think about that one. In the meantime, head over to the website www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, you can link off to all of the social channels and give us a like and a follow and all that nonsense because we do chat lots of Doctor Who during the week in between shows. Also, um, if you don't subscribe to the show on your podcast app, give that a go. Uh, On iTunes, just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast or any other podcast network. We should be on most of them. Drop us a sub. And if you're an iTunes listener, if you could spare a moment for a review and a rating, that would be amazing because that really helps us. And thank you to all those that have done so far. Remember to check out Adam's channel, the Oh big, yes, the Geeks no, Handbag. The, the big geeks. Whatever. The big handbag of geeks. The Geeks Handbag. That's the one. Over on YouTube, give him a subscribe and all that stuff. Plenty of awesome videos and a raft of cool videos that he's brought out over the last couple of weeks very cool very busy busy bee lately yeah and you're also on the usuals Twitter, Facebook Instagram all that stuff yeah I love my Insta (laughs) love your Insta (laughs) yes so just go and do all that stuff essentially that way you'll never miss the waffle and when new stuff drops Uh, episode 202 next week um, uh, will be Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS so just get that watched until then my name's Gary My name's Adam. And remember... (laughs) Uh...